What up, good people? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our awesome friends from Hy-V and Toys and Ford. Dan Casper here. As always, we've got a loaded episode of the podcast coming at you. We're going to talk with Dr. Crow. Lots of injuries going on. We're going to talk Bakhtiari. We're going to talk about uh, the this uh, fancy procedure that Aaron Rodgers underwent for his Achilles. We're going to talk Otani, Nick Chubb. With, with Dr. Crow. He's going to break it down for us. Brandon Berg's going to be joining me. We're going to talk some Brewers. Brewers could be clinching a playoff spot here very soon. Not only just a playoff spot, but a division championship would be their fifth playoff appearance in the last six years. Plus, Brandon and myself, we make our picks. Some college football games and the entire NFL slate. But we lead off the podcast talking a little Packers versus Saints. A little preview for the home opener. Anybody going to the game, by the way? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Anybody? Um, there's. I, I look at this as an interesting matchup. And, and again, I don't think we fully know all these teams yet. It's only two weeks in. The third week officially started last night with the with the 49ers, and and I think there's probably a couple teams that you're like, yeah, we already know who they are. 49ers being one of them, I think that's fair, right? But for some of these teams that came into this season with a little bit of an unknown around them, I don't know if we've necessarily know a whole lot about them yet. And there's two examples in this matchup with the with the Saints and then, and the Packers. Saints are coming in at 2-0 with wins against the Titans. And the Panthers, Packers, one and one, beating the Bears, falling to Atlanta should easily have been two and zero heading into this game. But when I look at this matchup, I look at this as uh, Green Bay's offense versus New Orleans defense, and I think this could be a deciding factor in in this game for a multiple multiple reasons. Uh, one, even if Aaron Jones is playing in this game, you kind of wonder will he be on a pitch count. You know how uh, how available will he will he be? So that still puts a lot of pressure on AJ Dillon, the entire running back group, the entire running game, to go out there and be successful. Because I think one of the biggest keys that that I have in this game is you have got gotta win time of possession. You have got to win this time of possession battle. You do that. By having long, sustained drives, scoring drives, but running the football. You have got to win that time of possession. And then once you get to the fourth quarter, if you're able to consistently move the ball, wear out that Saints defense. If they get to the fourth quarter, their hands are on their knees, they're gasping for air. That's when you kind of go for the kill shot. You've got to win the time of possession. But they've got to successfully have these drives, you know, not just long drives and you're coming up empty. And 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 the way to do that is establishing the running game. I think this is this is going to be a big game for for Matt Lafleur. You know, we'll see what the offensive line looks like when, when we get things going on Sunday. We'll see what that group looks like over there, especially on the left side. You know, we'll we'll see if Aaron Jones is going to play Watson, whoever's going to be available. But when you got this defense that you're going to be going up against, Marshawn Lattimore, Cam Jordan, you know, guys like that, and you got a young offense, and your offensive line's a little bit banged up. This is where your play caller, and in this case, it's he's also your head coach. He's got to get a little creative. He's got to scheme some guys open, make it easier on Jordan Love, make it easier on these youngsters. To, to get open, make some plays. No, I think Matt LaFleur has done a pretty good job so far in the first couple of weeks of scheming guys open. Don't believe me, you can look it up. A lot of national peeps out there saying the same thing. But I think he's gotten a little bit more creative. A lot of motion involved, especially down in the red zone. But I think this is a big game, too, for Matt LaFleur. If, he's, if that offense is going to be a little bit banged up and perhaps a little bit uh, shorthanded, how can he go in there and make things easier for his offense? How can he take some of that pressure off? How can he take some of that pressure off of a guy like Jordan Love? 
How can he get his offense to have those long, sustained scoring drives that keep his defense off the field so they're not gassed and you're gassing the Saints defense? I look at Matt LaFleur as a big key into this game offensively. And I think you got to have some big plays. I think you got to go out there. You know, Love, we know one of the uh, the issues or, or weaknesses in this game has been the deep ball, the accuracy with the deep ball. You, you might have to convert on a couple of big plays. If you have the opportunity to hit on a big play, got to hit it. Got to hit it. Because those opportunities might be a little too far in between or far in between with the with this defense. And I know I mentioned the offensive line, but whoever's there, big reason why I think Jordan Love did the biggest thing, and I know everybody's talking about quarterback ratings. Number one quarterback rating in the NFL. Number four QBR. But you look at his completion percentage, it's 30th. And I know that factors in drops and, and, and that sort of stuff, and it's only two weeks in. But still, you'd like to see that completion percentage get up a little bit better. But the the big thing that has really stood out to me from, from Jordan in these first couple weeks has been the composure. Uh, it doesn't look like the moment's too big. He looks calm. I'm sure there's going to be some butterflies rolling with his first start in a regular season at Lambeau Field. He started games in the preseason, but now it's the regular season. But a big reason why I think Jordan Love has looked that way in those first couple games has been the offensive line and... However, that group's going to look like on uh, on Sunday. They got to continue to play at a high level. They got to continue to provide that production for him to make him comfortable back there and open up some holes in the running game too. But I think this is it's almost kind of like a uh, a chess game. On paper, it looks like the Saints' defense is better than the Packers' offense. Stats wise, would prove that too. So I look at at this as 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 a big moment, as a big game for Matt Lafleur. When you factor in some of the injuries, the availability, maybe pitch counts for some players, young guys. This is a moment for for Matt Lafleur to go out there, make things easier for his team, but also kind of showcase, hey, I got some stuff up my sleeve too. I'm a pretty gar- uh, darn good uh, play caller, game game planner, and such. You know, on the flip side, we're we're switching things over. You look at the the Saints offense, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, your your two wide receivers. I don't know what the plan's going to be in terms of who's going to be on who, if that's even going to matter in this case. You'd think, you know, maybe size-wise, Jair would match up quite a bit with Olave and then Rasul on on Thomas. But, you know, we'll we'll see. But that's definitely going to be something to watch if you're looking at like position battles, position group battles. Jair and Chris Olave should be a fun one. Rasul, Thomas, you know, whatever that uh, that matchups work out. But I want to see this Packers defense go out there and put some pressure on Derek Carr for crying out loud. You know, you got pressure on fields. Last week against Atlanta, you got one total sack and it was a split sack against uh, Desmond Ritter. Now, Atlanta's offensive line is better than the Bears. But you got to put some consistent pressure on Derek Carr. Don't let him sit back there for four seconds and try to find his guys. Don't let Jair and Rasul have to try to keep coverage for that long. Got to put some constant pressure. Collapse that pocket around Derek Carr. We know Derek Carr can throw some picks. We know that he can turn the ball over. Packers have been doing a good job of winning the turnover battle. Jordan Love hasn't thrown a pick. You, you got to continue to win that turnover battle. And I, I almost feel like Jordan Love's probably going to throw a pick in this game. I almost feel like he's due, and I hate to say that, but you know, a little bit better of a defense and such. But got to win the turnover battle. Give your offense, Packers offense, more opportunities at scoring the football. More opportunities, the better. And don't have, same same you know opposite reasons for for the Saints offense. Don't give them any more opportunities. Continue to win that turnover battle, but get that pressure on Carr. And when you look at this running game, no Alvin Kamara, it's probably no Jamal Williams. 
you, you look at the rushing attack from the Saints, their leading rusher is Taysom Hill. 70-some yards. Um, you know, Taysom Hill's going to be involved in some different packages, kind of a chess piece sort of thing out there. When he's out on the field, you've got to acknowledge, you know, he's out there. And, and sometimes he's used as a decoy. Sometimes he's used for a big play possibility. Different things. He presents different things. He's a challenge. But this is an opportunity for this Packers defense, run defense specifically, to go out there and bounce back after getting absolutely embarrassed last week by the Atlanta Falcons. Second game in his career, Bijan Robinson showcased why he was a top 10 pick. Shredded. Absolutely shredded last week. There is absolutely no reason whatsoever that this Packers run defense should be shredded again this week. Nothing. No reason. They should shut that thing down. Don't give the Saints. Whoever's going to be running the ball for the Saints in this game, don't give them any confidence that they can run against you. If the Saints go out there and they have a 100-yard rusher, assuming you know Jamal's not playing and such, that's going to be embarrassing. That's going to be embarrassing. Go out there, bounce back, and make the Saints pass all the time. You know they're going to try to get the run going. Everybody tries to be balanced with the offense and and, 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 you know, this, that, setting up different plays and such. But there is absolutely no flipping reason why the Saints offense should have any success whatsoever running the football. They don't have any running backs left. Get the job done. Get it done. Bounce back from last week. Don't be embarrassed. Stop the run. You put more pressure on Carr. And just do a better job at setting the edge, too, for cry I know Joe Barry talked about it yesterday and and acknowledged that they were awful at setting the edge, and this has been a common theme, it seems like, for a while now. And I know, and this is, this is yeah, I hate to be thinking this, but I'm already envisioning certain plays or players, maybe not respecting the run game, for, for this Saints team, not setting the edge, getting a little aggressive going after the quarterback because they want to go get their car and rack up the sacks. And then, whoop, edge is wide open. Delayed enough edge, something like that. I can already envision it happening a couple times, and I hate thinking that. Play sound, fundamental football. Do your job. Do your job. Packers can win this game. It's a tough defense, but they can win this game. There's no doubt they can do it. Their defense has to get off that field, has to get off on third downs. Packers offense, you have to win time of possession and come away with touchdowns. You get in the red zone, you get in the red zone, come away with touchdowns, don't settle for field goals all the time. Saints have been low-scoring games here. I don't necessarily want to get in a kickoff or a field goal game. If you get in that red zone, get the touchdown. I know the Saints have only allowed one, but come on. That's not going to last all year. Odds are it's not, at least. You get in there, come away with touchdowns. And you get to the fourth quarter, close it out. If you're up, heading into the fourth quarter, close it out. Get that run game established, going. Milk the clock. They can do this. They can win this game. Absolutely. It can be a little low scoring here. Might be some up and down moments. Might be some frustrating drives. I can see the Saints defense being a little bit of a thorn and a like a pesky team. They're going to try to make things difficult on Jordan Love. They're going to try to you know fluster him and and get him uncomfortable back there. They're going to be aggressive, I think, with the with the young receivers. They're really going to try to make that offense 
beat them, they're going to put a lot of pressure on this Packers offense. While a team can do that, how do you take advantage of that too? Maybe that extra aggression from a defense. How do you take advantage of that? Your predictions? Again, you can hit me up with the text if you'd like or tweet, Facebook, all that good stuff. I'm a little pumped up about this game. I don't know why, but maybe it's just because I was so kind of irritated after that uh, Sunday performance. But I'm I'm a little pumped. A little pumped. I want to see I want to see this offense go up against a uh, a solid defense and, and and gain some confidence. Go out there and gain some confidence and move the ball at a consistent rate. I just feel like this is a game that if Matt Lafleur and I know he's probably not even thinking this. It's all about the win. But if Matt LaFleur wants to put himself in the conversation as one of the best play callers in the game, this is an opportunity to do that. Your offensive line's banged up. Your, your, your top offensive player's banged up. Your, your, your speedy big wide receiver's banged up. You still got Jordan Love. You got a lot of your, your top receivers are all rookies and a second-year guy. This is an opportunity for him to kind of really establish himself as a, as a play caller. That's not what he's thinking. That's not his goal. His goal is about winning the game. But this, this is an opportunity. And don't overlook the Saints and, and start looking ahead. Oh, I've got a short week and Detroit's coming in here. It's a big division game, no doubt. Can't afford to overlook New Orleans, though. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to chat with Dr. Crow after these quick words. Hey there, smart shoppers. Get ready to experience the ultimate grocery adventure at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. From fresh produce to gourmet delights, Hy-Vee is your go-to destination for quality and variety. Explore their aisles brimming with everything you need. Whether it's a family feast or a quick snack, they've got you covered. Every aisle is an adventure in good taste. And if you need a cold beverage afterwards, stop by the bar at Wahlburgers to quench that thirst. Shop smart, shop happy, shop Hy-Vee. Elevate your shopping game at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire today. Boy, oh boy, Austin, we got a few things to, to catch up on here, man. So uh, first things first, uh, guy we've talked a lot about over the last couple of years, David Bakhtiari, uh, missing the, the game last week. Matt LaFleur, head coach Matt LaFleur, saying uh, his knee was swelling up, so it sounds like that fluid uh, potentially is returning uh, to his knee, doesn't it, Austin? Yeah, that could be a aspiration number, what, 300 or something? Yeah, it's ridiculous <laughs> right now. I mean, at, at, at this point, it's not going to stop, is it? I mean, it, it's if it's something he's been going on for the last couple of years, it's not going to stop if he continues to play, I would imagine. I think you're almost certainly correct on that, yeah. So, I mean, is it... Is it something where – do you think this is something that was even going on last year? I know he, he missed some time last year too, but you never really heard about you know fluid building up a, a, as much. But do you think this is something that he's been dealing with even in the last year or so? Yeah, I mean, I think when you see athletes after a reconstruction like this and they have persistent effusions, meaning fluid on the knee, um, we've talked about this in the past, but it always brings up certain kind of alarm bells in our head. So – one of them is going to be there's something wrong with your reconstruction, so there's persistent stability in the knee, and um, it doesn't sound like that's the case. Otherwise, they'd talk about doing a revision reconstruction. And then the other thing is going to be cartilage stuff, and that's what we've really hammered on in the past. And I think for a lot of athletes, unfortunately, that's kind of a kiss of death. And, um, you know, we have a lot of research going on in that field and ways that we can try regenerate, regrow, create brand-new cartilage, and it just – I think there's there's things that are that work well, um, but nothing's a home run yet, and that's just kind of the holy grail. And so when you see a guy like this who had swelling right away, I mean his you know that a, few, a couple of years ago that we talked about this, that that blog he had talked about, or maybe he was in an interview and he said he had his knee aspirated was like twenty times or something. Yeah. It was some huge number. Um, you know when you look at that, it just that that suggests a knee that's having troubles from the get go. Now, do I think that it was there? went away and came back. No, I suspect it's been there all along. So I think you're correct. It's probably been something he's battling. But there are times where it'll flare up more than others, and, and you can kind of calm the knee down with various things that you can do. But, yeah, I really strongly suspect this is a significant cartilage injury in his knee, and it's something that is going to plague him till the end of his career, which I'm not saying it's going to be sooner than we think, but it, it wouldn't shock me. When knees start doing this this kind of downward spiral, sometimes it's, it's just a knee that just can't keep going on like that. So this might be kind of a, a weird question, but what exactly 
is that fluid in his knee? You know, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, what exactly is that, or where is it coming from, uh, essentially? Yeah, yeah. So what it is is when you have whatever is irritating knee, so whether it's instability, whether it's a meniscus tear, whether it's a cartilage injury, um, those those type of things that cause more of a chronic amount of quote-unquote fluid, it's just simply synovial fluid. So the joint, the normal lubricating fluid in the knee, your knee feels irritation, it responds by making more fluid. So it's it's a it's a body's natural response, and so that is just all that is is extra synovial fluid inside the knee. So when we aspirate a knee or draw fluid off, it comes back as this you know clear kind of yellowy color fluid, um, and that's just a normal synovial fluid. So yeah, that's really all it is. It's the knee's natural response to there's there's something going on, giving off inflammatory cytokines or basically these molecules that signal something's going on, and the body responds that way. Gotcha. All right. Um, moving on to his BFF, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to look into the healing effects of dolphins and and, and mating sounds or anything like that. Um, but we heard a lot about his procedure. About was it the, a bridge procedure? Where there's some talk that he yeah. potentially could come back. Uh, you know, at the like a postseason such, but. Can you explain a little bit what what this time? I'll tell you what, Austin. I was trying to look it up, and I was looking at videos and and all this sort of stuff, and I was even confused on there too. So, uh, but it sounds like it was something similar to I guess it's he's your new running back, Cam Akers, had with his Achilles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's not really that brand new of a technique. It's been around for a while, truthfully. But it, it's really, I mean, the company who who sells it's a company called Arthrex, and they have, they make good products. Um, but I'm sure they are just laughing all the way to the bank with the amount of publicity they've gotten over this. Um, you know, free publicity, have videos, people talking about it. So generally speaking, when we repair an Achilles, what we'll do is we'll basically tie very big, strong sutures to each stump of the tendon that's torn, and then we tie it together. Um, there's different ways that you can augment that um, with certain suture configurations. This is a slightly different technique where in addition to the suture that's going between the two, the distal or bottom part is always smaller, and that comes off the calcaneus or the heel bone. So the way that they augment or strengthen this repair is they put anchors into the calcaneus, and so when you have basically the, the pull of the Achilles, some of it's borne by the actual tendon interface, but some of it's also shared by the anchors in the calcaneus. So it does offload it, and so in theory that significantly strengthens your repair. Um, and I wouldn't say in theory, I'm sure it does. Uh, do I think I'd still want an athlete coming back at, you know, three and four months after this? Ooh, I'd be pretty hard-pressed because Cam Akers came back at, I think it was just over six months. Right. So it would even be more accelerated. Now, of course, a running back and a quarterback absolutely do have different uh, stresses put on their body, but, uh, I mean, quarterbacks have to run sometimes, right? You can't just sit in the pocket all day long. Um, so, I mean, unless you're going to really truly have him be one-dimensional. Um, but, I, you know, the, the idea behind it is that is that instead of suture-to-suture, you have suture to suture plus anchors in the in the heel bone that are augmenting or strengthening the repair. So, yeah, it'll probably accelerate things a little bit because you feel a little more confident that that first big push off. If in, if you're going to kind of quote unquote overload that tendon, that those anchors will kind of back it up. But I, I mean, the thing is, there's no real big studies or data to suggest that you can get an athlete back a lot sooner than that. I mean, maybe they're underway right now, but I have not seen data to suggest that. So. I would be hard-pressed if I did that from one of my athletes to say, yep, you can come back at three months or four months. Um, and, you know, but who knows? I guess time will tell. I, I, I don't think he will be. Um, but, you know, it would be interesting to be proven wrong and see how it plays out. Yeah, uh, and I don't know if he'd want to come back that quick after, behind that offensive line either <laughs> over there too. So that uh, That's right. Well, he only lasted four plays last time. Right, exactly. Uh, one major injury from, from this past weekend was uh, with the Browns and, and Nick Chubb. Uh, he suffered MCL, PCL, LCL, and – or I mean, it looked like he suffered all that, and I saw – that there was some talk about uh, like two surgeries he was going to have to have on there. They're talking mm-hmm. potentially career threatening. I mean, I don't know if you saw the video, but oh, it did absolutely. not. Yeah, it did oh, not yeah. look good uh, over there. Would you? Would you imagine there's probably multiple ligaments torn in that thing? One hundred percent. I would bet my bottom dollar. So with an injury like that, you, you're at minimum talking about a a two to three ligament injury. So. Um, and what really makes things worse is that this is the same knee he had a previous week. We, we use the term multi-ligament knee injury. So he's already had a multi-ligament knee injury on that. So he underwent a major reconstruction. 
to get back to where he was, which was playing at an elite level, which is an awesome story. A second multi-ligament knee injury, I would tell you, I don't know if an athlete's ever come back from that. I, I, I don't know of any. Um, so to undergo two multi-ligament knee injuries in the same knee, this is 100% career-threatening. Um, and so the, the two surgeries could be, could be a couple different things. One is when we reconstruct knees, we drill tunnels. So we make holes in bone, we put grafts through, secure them down. When you tear it, you, you basically need to reuse the tunnel, but the tunnels don't always stay exactly like you had them before. We call it tunnel dilation or, or there's kind of osteolysis around it, so the tunnel becomes a little bigger. So often you have to go back and graft the tunnels and then do another surgery after that. So it could be a stage procedure where they graft the tunnels and come back and, and redo it. Or sometimes when there's really severe injury to the outer part of the knee, although it was hard to tell with the angle which way the knee bent fully. I mean, there's clear massive hyperextension, um, but it was hard to say if the knee kind of bent in or out with that, um, on the, at least on the angle that I saw. So if it was a severe posterior corner injury, sometimes we'll, we'll fix the side first and then come back and do the, the, what we call the cruciate, so the ACL and PCL later. Um, but those are both in play. But, yeah, I mean, that's a, that is a devastating knee injury. I mean, really – those kind of injuries are functioning like a knee dislocation. So now you're talking about concern for nerve injury, artery injury. There certainly hasn't been any talk of that, and I'm sure there would have been if it happened. So he, he, he dodged that bullet. But I mean, if you think about the – if you watch that in full speed and then go back and watch it in slow-mo, I mean, you think about how violent that injury is to that knee. The knee just goes from straight to, I don't know, 45, 50 yeah. degrees off angle. I mean, like in, the, in a heartbeat, if you think of the tension that puts on the structures in the knee, I mean, it, it is a – it is a bad, bad, bad injury. So, I mean, we wish him the best, and I'm sure he's in excellent hands. Um, but it will be a daunting task to come back from a second multi-ligament injury. That would be an impressive uh, feat. Man alive. Yeah, it, it did not look good. So, uh, last uh, last question here for you, Austin. So, uh, going to baseball, Otani. Uh, so, I, I found it curious where they said he underwent a, quote, procedure uh, for his elbow. But they also said that uh, in the statement – that they quote reinforced the healthy ligament in place. Can you can you kind of decipher what what exactly they they mean by that? Because we all figured was it another Tommy John surgery? It almost makes mm-hmm. it sound like it's not, or could it be? And it's just a play on words sort of thing there. Yeah, no, I, it, it it sounds like it was not a full Tommy John or AKA UCL reconstruction. So um, if this goes back to if you remember. Uh, Brock Purdy's injury to his mm-hmm. elbow. Yep. They talked about doing that internal brace, which is another Arthrex product. Man, they're getting all the publicity. Um, <laughs> it's another Arthrex product where we you basically put an anchor on each side and you put a strong piece of suture between there. So it's it, so it's we, it's called an internal brace. So it basically reinforces exactly like they said. It reinforces the ligament. So clearly he didn't have a full tear. It clearly was a partial tear because you wouldn't do the sutures. Anchor and suture, although they can be as strong as heck, nothing will withstand um, stress forever. Eventually, any man-made material will stress the point of fatigue. So either the suture breaks or the anchor pulls out. So you need to have some healthy tissue there. So if he has a partial injury to that UCL, you put the internal brace, it strengthens and augments it, it heals on its own, ta-da, there now you have a functional UCL again. So without them saying explicitly, I'm going to almost guarantee it was an internal brace procedure to augment that ligament and hopefully it plays. But I do believe they also came out and said he won't be pitching for next season. Right. Um, I don't know if you saw that same report. So it's just going to be batting only, which is vastly different when it comes to stressors on the elbow. I mean, really, a lot of UCL injuries we don't reconstruct. I mean, we have we have football players coming with a full UCL tear. As long as they're not a thrower, it's like you'll be fine. It, it really, the elbow can function pretty well. So for him to play um, even in the field potentially, um, and batting, certainly, he can do that. But pitching, just the forces, uh, again, I mean, you, you watch a slow-mo um, pitch, it is really, you're like, wow, the, the forces that go through those shoulders and elbows is just tremendous. Absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break, and we're going to talk a little Brewers baseball with Mr. Brandenburg. 
Get ready to rev up your driving experience at Toys and Ford, your ultimate destination for top-notch vehicles and exceptional service. Whether you're in the market for a sleek new car, a rugged truck, or a versatile SUV, Toys and Ford has the ride that suits your style and needs. Toys and Ford's commitment to quality and customer satisfaction is unmatched. Experience the thrill of driving a Ford, backed by their dedicated team's expertise. Don't miss out on the best in automotive excellence. Visit Toys and Ford today or explore the their inventory at toysandford.com. Could it happen tonight? Could the Brewers clinch either a wild card or a division champion? It's kind of weird because for the longest time it was like the wild card to clinch a wild card, at least a wild card spot, was like one game below you know, a division, but because it's Miami now, so it's like, well, you beat Miami, you've at least clinched a playoff spot. You could clinch the division if the Cubs were to lose, too. So. At this point, honestly, I think the whole clinching the playoff spot thing, nobody cares about. Because right. it's so close to the like the numbers are right next to each other for divisions, so people are saying, man. Yeah. And I'm assuming that would be the case of the Brewers, too. Like, you know, the, like if they clinched the playoff first but not a wild card, they probably wouldn't celebrate that, I wouldn't think, because you can literally just do it. I mean, I guess, right. don't get me wrong, I guess you'd have parties on back-to-back days if you want to, but... Yeah, that bigger fish to fry, exactly. if you will. Hey-oh. <laughs> Thank you. I see I what you did there. Yeah. And on a Friday, no less? Yeah, oh, double boy. whammy, wow. baby. Double yeah. whammy. Friday fish fry, Brewers edition. Yeah. Um, okay, so let me ask you this. I don't, you know, before we kind of do a little deep dive or big deep dive, I mean, they got their three horses on the on the mound. I would expect them to at least win one of those games. But Miami's got a lot to play for, too. Kind of looking bigger picture here, Brandon. Compare, or you want, I'm a, we're going to assume they're going to be in, right? I don't think that's a bull take. I don't think that's a hot take. They're going to be in the postseason. Where's your confidence level with this team? Because this will be the fifth time that the Brewers will be in the postseason in the last six years, which is unheard of in Brewers history because before, was it 2018, they only made it four total times? So in our lifetime, Brandon, we've seen like the majority of Brewers appearances. If you count two thousand eight on there too, right? You and I have seen it. We're we're youngsters, but we've seen it. But of the five of, the, of those teams, including this one, where's your confidence level with this team? Because yes, they made the postseason, but they've only won one series too, and that was at eighteen against Colorado when they won. They swept, and they took Game Seven to to the Dodgers, but they haven't won one since. You know, against Colorado. So when you look at those teams and you look at the other, where's your confidence? And I guess, you know, I'm maybe I'm comparing 18 to it with this team to those other teams. Because I feel like they're very different, whereas at 18 was very offensive heavy. Brandon Woodruff was still kind of coming into his own. Yoli Shasin was your opening day starter. Maybe your number one guy. I think he started game 163 when you were there, right? Yes, he did. Um, this year, I think you'd say it's more about the pitching. Although 18 had a great back-end bullpen, too. Which team would you have more confidence or the most confidence in? Probably 2018, just because I think you look at you know Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta were all on that 2018 team, but they weren't obviously what they are now. Mm-hmm. That one, it seemed like the pitching staff, and you can do this more in the postseason, it was kind of almost held together with, like, Tape, you know, tape and bubble gum. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, we remember, you know, the Wade Miley, quote-unquote, started against the Dodgers, and just... They were able to kind of set things up, you know, pitching wise, mm-hmm. with Wade Miley and you know Yuli Shasin. I think Gio Gonzalez started a game in there. Like, oh gosh, I forgot about Gio. But Gonzalez it's a little, too, yeah. you know, obviously that's a little bit different. You know, off, you know, that team you didn't really worry about the offense necessarily. Didn't Zimmerman pit? No, that wouldn't. That no, Jared Zimmerman was after that. Oh, I remember the game that they played against Zimmerman. They just kind of like. Went off on him, I think, offensively. That was yeah, Yelich's like incredible tear right at the end there. Okay, right. Um, this one, like obviously, the offense has, has shown some you know good signs here in the second half, especially lately. I think at this point, that's just something that's always going to be. I know for me, on the back of my mind, like okay, but can you know, you, you just don't want to see a repeat of twenty twenty one where they don't score, right? You know, they they that win brave game, series. They, that brave yeah. series where they won game one like two to one, I think. Yep. And then they really didn't score much after that, and everything was just kind of a grind. Mm-hmm. And you know, you like to believe that the offense is a little bit more set up there or here than there, but you know, we won't know until until we get there. Mm-hmm. Now, I went through the numbers yesterday, 
I'm assuming they're better after the six to nothing win yesterday too. But in the month of September, this is the best the offense has been all all year in terms of average, OPS, all that all that stuff out there. We talk about momentum heading into the postseason too. I mean, it sure seems like the Brewers have that momentum. I, I know a lot can change here. Especially, you know, it's going to be fascinating. We'll get to this in a little bit here if they clinch this weekend and then how do they prepare for the final week here. Especially if the Cubs need to win to get in, do the Brewers try to knock them out so they don't have to play them? You know, that sort of stuff on there. But you look at this offense, Contreras has just been Mr. Consistent. Mark Canna has been unbelievable since he was acquired. Tyrone Taylor is hot right now. They're getting this done without Christian Yelich at this point. Would you say that the Brewers are playing their best baseball at the perfect time right now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, we could talk about this in a week, and if they suddenly, you know, lose four of six, then, you know, the sky might be falling. But, mm-hmm. you know, right now, yeah, they're, you know, you want to you want to be doing your best right now because that's, you know, taking that trying to take that momentum into the postseason. They're doing it. It's, you know, it's going in all three phases because normally when you're playing well, it's because you're doing it, you know, you're doing a lot of things right. You're not going to win, you know, 8 of 10, 12 of 14, whatever, mm-hmm. by – you know, hitting the ball but not being able to pitch or field. Like mm-hmm. it takes everything working together. It takes complementary baseball. And right now, that's what this team's doing. Can they with the because uh, the Dodgers are going through some issues with their pitching staff right now? And I know I'm getting a little too far ahead, but I'm excited with this team now. It's like it kind of just reignited a fire a little bit. I think. Can they beat the Dodgers? They can. Yeah. Would you pick them to beat the Dodgers? I would have to see how the next week and a half goes. Okay. Cop out. Yeah, it is, but. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. The the starting pitching is obviously, you know, in theory, you know, depending on how that that series matches up, because we don't know with, right, you know, the potential playoff uh, first round game or matchup. But you know, obviously, the a lot of thing that's going to be in everybody's mind is that Dodger series. You know, that last Dodger series where I mean, it was pretty much worst case scenario. Everything that could go wrong, that series did go wrong for the Brewers. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of honestly where everything turned around for I was going to ask, was that, that kind of a turning point? Yeah, too? I won't say it was the low point of the year because, I, you know, it was just a really, like, yeah, I can remember not just my vibe, but the vibe of you know, other people coming out of that series was kind of like, oh, like, okay, yeah. this team is, you know, this ain't, you know, the, you know, this ain't it. Like, they can't beat the Dodgers and what, you know, and then it just, it's gone up since then. Yeah. I mean, I know they lost that series to the Cubs there, but there's been more good than bad. Right. They haven't lost very many series. Right. So, yeah. So, Let's assume I, I feel like I'm Monday, Brandon. When I when I come in Monday morning, I'm hoping to talk about a Packers win, and I'm hoping to be talking about a Badgers win, and I'm also hoping to be talking about a division championship for for the Brewers. If that were to happen, they can't improve. At, no, you're going to be the three seed. You're going to be the three. You've still got three games against the Cardinals, and you still got three games against the Cubs. Now, I would imagine the Brewers are going to want to be in that situation so they can set up their rotation. Maybe even give some guys a little bit of time, maybe a little bit of work. But the last thing you want to do, I would imagine, if you have nothing really to play for, Brandon, is to throw Corbin Burns out there for seven, eight innings, or Brandon Woodruff or Freddie Peralta, right? But what happens? What would you do if you're Craig Council in this situation? You go into next weekend series with the Cubs. If the Cubs have to like win a game or win two games and they get the sixth seed, how do you how do you plan for that? Do you try to plan for it? You know what? I'm going to throw my guys out there like it's a must win game for us. Um, I you know if you look at the projected pitching rotation right now, I don't think you have to do very much. Like I don't think you change much there mm-hmm. because you want to make sure that you know you're going Burns, Woodruff, Peralta for possibly those three playoff games. And mm-hmm. season ends a week from Sunday, so it ends on October first. That three-game wild-card round series is the third, the fourth, and the fifth. So you got one day off mm-hmm. in between. I think pitching-wise, you set that up. Um, like, the rest of the bullpen-wise, like, I would probably stay away from the likes of, like, Williams and, you know, Piomps and Uribe the best you can, because remember, there's mm-hmm. only so many people in the bullpen. Unlike that Sunday, you know, maybe give them two days before. But, you know, baseball is such a rhythm and timing game that you can't, you know, kind of do what the NFL does and just, you know, give, you know, bench everybody Sim- last yeah. You can't do it. You can't do it. Yeah. Like, you clinch this weekend in Miami, you you still roll out your starting lineup, you know, batting lineups, 
you know, maybe that Sunday you give, you know, some guys a day off. Maybe you give, you know, William Contreras a day off because, you know, he's been either catching or DHing pretty much every day. Right. And the Brewers have a day off Monday, so it helps a little bit, you know, this upcoming Monday. They don't, right. they won't play the next two Mondays. Right. But I don't think you take the, fo- the gas or the foot off the gas too much because you don't necessarily have to. You know, it'd be one thing if you had a, if you didn't have a day off between, the regular season finale on the first, and then say the playoffs start on the second. But you have a day off in there. That's mm-hmm. you know that's going to be good for hitters. Right. It's going to be good to kind of help reset your bullpen a little bit. I just think you, and not so much because you don't necessarily want to play the Cubs. Although I mean I'm sure the Brewers would love to knock the Cubs out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But because be a lot of Cubs fans at Amfam Field, I would imagine I'm, too. Yeah, could yeah. be. Um, but you also want to just keep everybody clicking. When it's clicking, you just want to keep everybody going. You know, you can be a little bit more, you know, aggressive with maybe giving, you know, a guy, you know, a day off that third, you know, like one of those in the, one of those final six games, you know, an ex- maybe an extra day off, but not two, three days off. You just, mm-hmm. you can't do that. That's, you know, especially for a team playing as well as you can. You know, I truly believe in 2018 one of the reasons the Brewers made the run they did is because they shouldn't have any time to take a day off. Right. They were playing, they were playing, they were playing. Like, that's that's baseball. Baseball is an everyday game. Yep. So I just don't think you can, you know, on the hitting side, take much time off. You know, pitching-wise, it kind of seems like it's going to work out. Now, if you want to, you know, say, you know, Corn starts today, stay with that day off in there, he starts, like, you know, that next Wednesday. I was going to – I'm trying to do the math One, two, too. three, four. One, well, or that Wednesday or that next Thursday. Yep. You'll say you want to, you know, you can still give him that day off or that day in there. And maybe if you want to, you don't go have Corbin Burns go 100 pitches. Maybe you have him go 80 pitches or 75 pitches if it's working. And just say, you know what, we're going to take it a little easy here because we're going to, you know, mm-hmm. give, you know, use that as a little bit more of a breather before you go into the postseason. Right. Because you want to make sure he's starting that night, that Tuesday the 3rd. Mm-hmm. So something like that, you know. I wouldn't have a problem with as far as the starters go. I mean, you won't necessarily have to do that with like Wade Miley or Adrian Hauser or if Colin Wright gets a start in that Cubs series, something like that. You mean those guys you could go mm-hmm. because they wouldn't be pitching until the earliest a potential series that next weekend. Right. So you that would be plenty of time in there. How how big of a benefit is it to have a guy like Wade Miley as your fourth starter when so, you know, let's say we're we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that's what we do sometimes. But, you know, that th- that that wild card series, say it goes the full three, assuming you're going to have your three top three start that game, you know, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, and then you're going to have a series against the Dodgers, let's say. And a lot of teams, you know, they're like, oh, crap, we got to start our fourth starter at game one against, you know, that. But it's Wade Miley who's having a good year. Is that almost kind of like a wild card benefit there to have that guy ready to go potentially for a game one while you have your top three? Yeah. Getting that extra yeah, you day feel, there. I think you feel confident with it. You feel mm-hmm. confident that he's a guy that's going to be able to navigate through six innings and allow two runs and give you a shot. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's not obviously you know anyone that watches him pitch. He's you know, he's different than the other three. He's different <laughs> than the other three. But I'm not sure that there's another pitcher I like watching pitch more on the Brewers just because of how he pitches. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's throwing. You know, he's not. He doesn't throw hard. He has to. You know, induce weak contact to get people out, and he does. You know, he's striking out seven yesterday was kind of not the norm for him, right? That's I mean, the he's, exception. You know, he's yeah. getting, you know, he's cut fastball in on righties, and you know, breaking bats, and getting ground balls, and you know, change ups and curveballs. Mm-hmm. balls. He's kind of gone a little more to the four seam fastball up in the zone this year. It's just he's so fun to watch pitch because mm-hmm. he has to pitch. He can't just overpower you. You know, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have that in him anymore. But he right. can still make you be off balance. You know, not to the extent of, you know, say Adam Wainwright on Monday, but, right. you know, in that way of, hey, I'm not going to throw hard, so I have to really make sure I sequence well, and that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Not comparing him to the careers, but kind of like a Greg Maddox sort of thing. A bit, a yeah, bit. yeah, where you have to rely on the edges and mm-hmm. the location of the and ball. The location. And look, you know, when the Brewers signed Wayne Miley at the start of the year, he's given you all you could hope for. At this stage of his career, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and throw 200 innings. You know, he's had some stints on the injured list, mm-hmm. but. When that's your four or your five, however you want to you know characterize it, when that's your you know a back end of your rotation guy, your rotation's pretty good. You're just hoping that he's going to give you quality innings and that he's going to be healthy for the postseason. And you know, right now that's looking like the case. Knock on wood. Yep, that's my biggest concern right now. Is like, please, none of your starters get hurt. Right, or, you know. right, and and 
you know, you can that, and that's just one of those things that you just. I, I think you just play the last week, and you just hope you, you know nothing happens. Like you can't hold. You guys, can't play scared. You, you can't you play can't. scared. You can't hold guys out. It's not like the NFL where you can take a week off. Like mm-hmm. you, just, you can't do that. That's six games, and you know, in the in, in Major League Baseball, you can't do that. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's. it's Got to give him credit because it sure looks like what a week, week and a half ago it might come down to that final series because that that magic number was so big. Brewers have been taking care of business and they've been getting help too. They have, they, they have. The been, Cubs, and look, thank you, Pirates. Well, <laughs> yeah, they, look at the teams that the Cubs you know have lost to. It's been it's been the Pirates, Rockies, Rockies. You know mm-hmm. the Diamondbacks have had their number. Diamondbacks are in a playoff spot right now. They're the they'd be the five seed, right? But. You know, in the past, when when the Brewers, like last year, when the Brewers have had their issues, what have we complained about? Well, they're not beating the teams they should beat. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of what's happening with the Cubs right now. Right. That's a good comparison. And the, Brewer, and, and the Brewers, look at the teams they've played. They've taken care of business against the Pirates, against the Yankees. Yep. You know, Cardinals. The Cardinals, the Nationals. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've, they've just taken care of business. They haven't, they haven't, you know, that door was open a little bit after that, you know, Cubs series at the end of August, and the Brewers just slammed it. All right, quick break, and finally, we're going to make some picks. we got some college football games and the entire NFL slate after these quick words. Tailgating season is here. Create the ultimate tailgating package this season. Grab yourself some Man Cave Light and Dan Good Burgers, only available at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. And don't forget the brats. Visit Mike's Star Market in Eau Claire to grab some Man Cave Light brats and many other flavors to choose from. Upgrade your tailgating game this year. It's time to make some football picks. Let's start off, Brandon. I'm going to kind of work backwards here for, for college football. Number 24, Iowa, visiting number 7, Penn State. Who you got? Is this, yes, it's a night game. Yeah, it is a night game. Yep, six thirty. Do we know offhand if it's the Whitehall game for Penn State? Uh, my guess is maybe. I don't know off that, but yeah, but it doesn't matter. I'm gonna take Penn State either way. I mm-hmm. think that they're gonna be explosive enough to do some things against Iowa and good I mean, defense in Iowa, good offense good, yeah, in Penn State. Right, so. right. That's that's the matchup there. But um, Iowa's not gonna be able to punt as much as it would like and win that game. So, mm-hmm. uh, really intriguing one here. Ohio State number six at number nine, Notre Dame. This one's at South Bend, correct? Yep. So, um, another night game too. Another night game. Notre Dame could have got them last year. That was a, that was a game they were in up until the end. But I'm going to take Ohio State to get a big road win here. Never, ever, ever shall I ever trust Notre Dame in a big game until tomorrow night. I'm going Notre Ooh. Dame. How about that? Never have I ever. Pick, pick Notre Dame in a big game. Oh, he did. Uh, I'm going to go Notre Dame. I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. I don't know why. I'm going with the gut here. Going with the gut. Notre Dame. Number 14, Oregon State visiting number 21, Washington State. The battle of the who's left bowl. Right. You know, the, the two teams that are on the outside looking in for any sort of conference right now. The, can they just make this the Pac-12 championships as these are the last two remaining of this for crying out loud? So. I appreciated that uh, both those fan bases were trying to get college game day to go to, to the Palouse this week for that, just obviously yep. with all that going on. And plus it's a good game anyway. But uh, I'm going to take Washington State. I mean, these are two teams that you know the last few years have kind of been – you know, making their way up. Jake Dicker doing a really good job at former, Washington State. Former pointer, pointer, UW pointer. Um, with that game, man, I know that game sold out. That's it's going to be loud there. I am going to go with Washington State. Ah, uh, this is a tough one. It is in Washington State. That's a tough place to play. That crowd, as we know, with Wisconsin. I mean, they were what they were setting up a tailgate days before that game. I'm going to go Oregon State, though. I'm, I'm going to go Oregon State. Going with the Beavers over there. Uh, let's go with just moving on up. Uh, Ole Miss number fifteen versus number thirteen Alabama. I really wanted it's the Lane Kiffin Bowl. I really want to pick Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin's been behaving, but yeah. um, I'm going to go Alabama. I just i I think that they're was be- not a good win last. It year. It was not. Alabama. It was not. But I think they're better than kind of what they're showing here. Mm-hmm. I just feel like Nick Saban needs a game against like Lane Kiffin or something like that, and then he's just going to like to kind of jostle everything loose a little bit because yeah, yeah they're a better team than yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Alabama uh, as well in this game. Number twenty-two UCLA at number eleven Utah. I'm going to go Utah. Uh, the that's a future uh, Big Twelve, Big Ten 
mm-hmm. showdown there. But for now, it's still in the Pac-12. But I'm going to go Utah. Uh, I'm going Utah as well. For this game, this next one that I'm going to tell you, I, I want to include the line on this one. Colorado at Oregon. <laughs> this is so I've I've got it up here. Like even the matchup predictor on on the mothership ninety. I don't know if I've seen a bigger discrepancy. Ninety three point nine percent in favor of Oregon. The line is at twenty one. Travis Hunter is not playing for for Colorado. So who wins? Do they cover? Oregon wins, but they don't cover. I think the loss of Travis Hunter is really big in this one. And plus. Mm-hmm. It stinks. I wish he was playing. Just it was. To, it, you know. Yeah. It, it. You know. Plus, going to Oregon, Austin's always a really tough place to play, especially right now. I mean, and you know that. You know, Oregon is going to be fired up to you know possibly be the you know the one to kind of deal that first loss to you know Coach Prime and, and the Buffaloes. So yeah, I say Oregon wins, but Colorado keeps it under like, twenty one. Yes. You know what? I'm a big D young guy. Oregon wins. Oregon covers. I'm going 20. I think they win by 21. I think it's just, I don't know. That Travis Hunter loss is so big. It's it it's so big right and that's now. A, and, like, that's a game they could have easily lost last week to, to, to Colorado, Colorado State. State. Yep. Yeah, I just I don't have a good feeling about this one. And I know everybody's already banking, you know, I get it, why, you know, Oregon. And so it's like, it's like set up that Colorado is going to be closer. It just feels like it, but... I don't know. I'm, I'm going straight up with my gut on, on these picks right now, and that's where I'm at. I'm going to put this one in here. I know who we're both going to pick, I think, but I'm going to put this one in here because, I don't know, could they somehow pull off pull off an upset? Number four, number four, Florida State at Clemson. The line is only two, Florida State. Wow. I got you thinking on that one. You did. I? That yeah. line is a little light from what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Because Clemson, I mean, they're... They got a, that first loss of the season. They, and they've, Duke. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still going to Because then they've put up 66 and 48. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> going to take Florida State. Like, But that's interesting. Yeah. And, and as it's often said, usually Vegas knows. Like, mm-hmm. It's at Clemson, too, which is kind of the yeah. weird thing here. I'm gonna go still go Florida State though, but I had to, like you said I had to think about it. Yeah, I'm gonna go Florida State too. Um, I don't really want to say they're gonna cover. It's two, so I mean right. by field goal and all that stuff. So, all right, final college game: Wisconsin at Purdue tonight. The line for this game five and a half, according to Caesar's Sportsbook. What do you got? Um, Badgers win. Badgers cover. I'm not gonna say they cover by a ton. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I'm going the same way. Yep. Badgers cover. I think they win by double digit points. I'll go with that. I think the Badgers win by double digit points. But for the love of Mary, can you please start off fast yeah. on the offensive right. side for for crying out loud? Right. So, all right, let's get to our NFL picks now, Brandenburg. Um, I think both of us picked the 49ers last night, so I think we're okay on 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 that one there. So let's go through the uh, the entire schedule here. Let me bring it up because I'm using the uh, our pick 'em challenge. Yep, in, that's why yours so. in the right order. So uh, Colts at the Ravens. Ravens, I will take. Um, I don't know if we've heard an update yet if Anthony Richardson's going to play or if he's still in protocol or what. But Gardner Minshew mania. I, I, you know me, I'm a Gardner Minshew guy, but that's that's tough. Mm-hmm. That's a tough. That's going to be tough to go in there and, and take that team. So I'm going to go with the Ravens. I am going with the Ravens as well. Browns, Nick Chubb, no Nick Chubb uh, in this game. Tennessee coming into town to visit them. How do you see this one playing? I'm going to go with the Titans. I mean, they're just always that team that they're physical. Like, they're just... They're, I feel like they're always just such a tough matchup for other teams because there's not a ton of teams that play the way they do, the way they do as far as just being that physical, physical team. Mm-hmm. Without Nick Chubb, obviously the 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 Browns want to run the ball. Yep. That's a lot harder now. I'm going to go with uh, the Titans. Yeah, Deshaun Watson's not playing like Deshaun Watson from a few years ago with the Texans. No, he, he, he looks like he's a guy that missed like two years of football. Right, yep. Uh, I'm going the Titans too, but this is a low-scoring game. It's and, a rock fight. Yeah. Yep. 
Atlanta 2-0 going to visit the Detroit Lions, who fell to the visiting Seattle Seahawks last week. They fell last week. I don't think they will this week. I will take the Lions. Um, obviously, the Falcons were able to rally last week to beat the Packers, but I I still don't know if I, we've learned too much about the Falcons offensively. You know, Their mm-hmm. defense is fine, but it's kind of a no-name group. Right. Um, I, I think the best the best position group in this game is the Lions offense. And I think they have another day where they're able to put up some points and they're doing, they're able to get a little bit more from their defense. I'm going Lions too. I think they bounce back. It's at home. Atlanta's 2-0. They're going to have the ski mask. Yeah, right. Uh, Detroit wins this one. I'm going to skip over this one. Uh, Houston at Jacksonville. I will go with the fighting shot cons and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, Jacksonville bounces back from a loss against Kansas City, and they go to two and one against the Houston Texans. The Denver Broncos versus the Miami Dolphins in the Vic Fangio Bowl. Do- uh, Broncos still looking for the first win. They are, and they they could have two. I mean, they've they're not that far removed from possibly being two and zero, oh, but I don't think that it's going to be that same type of game this week. Dolphins look really good in the first two weeks, mm-hmm. and I'll take the Dolphins at home. I am a big Mike McDaniel fan. Um, I am going Dolphins in this one, too. I'll save this one, too. I'm going to save ours for the last two there. Patriots at the Jets. Will Bill Belichick finally get a win this year? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, I mean, you, you know at this point Belichick would love to kind of you know, smell the blood in the water a little bit with obviously the Jets still reeling from Aaron Rodgers' injury. So, um and until the Jets can do something consistently on offense from that quarterback spot, it's going to be yeah. tough to pick them any week, especially yep. with that schedule they got. Yep, I'm going Patriots too. Uh, I think they pick up the win. Buffalo Bills versus kind of surprising how well they're playing. Washington Commanders at Washington. How do you see this one going? Uh, I'm going to go with Buffalo. Yeah, uh, I'm going Buffalo too. Uh, but hey, Washington's two and zero. All the talk about Eric Bieniemy being too hard on the guys in the offseason. I think Eric Bieniemy's stocks might be rising here a little bit for teams that potentially want a new head coach next year. He's proving it right now, at least. You know, because it's always like, well, it was Andy Reid's system and all, blah, blah, blah. And, well, he's got he's got the commanders at 2-0 right now. So, or helping uh, with, the, with that offense of Sam Howell, too. So, uh, Carolina at Seattle. Seattle, especially with the news that doesn't sound like uh, Bryce Young's going to play for Carolina. You're not an Andy Dalton believer? <sighs> not anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go Seattle. I got Seattle, too, in Seattle. Uh, the Cowboys, who had a awful day at practice yesterday. Was- Diggs is done for the year, torn ACL in practice. Biotich, their center, hamstring injury at practice. I mean... Everybody was yeah. singing the praises of the Cowboys for yep. the last couple of years, yeah. and now they get dinged up in practice. So. Yeah, yuck. Arizona's actually been a fickle team the first couple of weeks. They're screwing around trying to mess up the first pick here. So uh, Dallas at Arizona in the Emmett Smith game. I was going to say, this is a vintage NFC East rivalry, Yep. but uh, Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going Cowboys too. So uh, Bears at the Chiefs. Talk about another team that's had an awful week. <laughs> Oh, moly. Um, they could have had the best week, but Chiefs. Uh, Matt Nagy gets his revenge. It's the Chiefs against the Bears. Uh, let's go Steelers at Raiders. Uh, Steelers. I'm going Raiders. I'm just not a, I don't, not a believer in the Steelers right now. Not a believer. I don't know if it's because Kenny Pickett wears two gloves or what. But, um, He's got that Teddy Bridgewater thing going. He does. Uh, I'm going Raiders in, in this one. Let's go Eagles at the fighting Baker Mayfields, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to go with Philly. I think that's going to be a very pro-Philly crowd down in Tampa. Battle of two fan bases who may not always be the most pleasant to opposing fans. So, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, Philly. Uh, I'm going Philly. Tampa Bay still got a good defense, but it's Philly uh, in this one. Rams at the Bengals. This was the Super Bowl two years ago. Yeah. And now look at it. Right. I mean, we've got, obviously, with the Rams, the Bengals, Decent chance Joe Burrow doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with the Bengals um, simply because they're the home team. Yeah, I'm going Bengals too. Uh, in this one, I think you know, zero and two, they're they're going to bounce back here. Chargers at the Vikings. It is the Vikings versus the AFC Vikings. Yes, that's a very good comparison. I've heard that I like comparison that. made quite a bit this week, and it's 
to me, it's 100. I mean, obviously they're a little bit different, but both teams have a knack for finding ways to lose games in heart wrenching fashion. So you kind of wonder what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the Chargers. You know what? I I, I took the Chargers too, and it's that offense with, with, with the Chargers. Now, yeah. It, yeah, I'm looking at. I'm going to be curious to see the injury report for the Chargers today. Nick Bosa yep. did not practice yesterday. Yep. Wait, or Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa, sorry. <laughs> the, like, Bo- the, tra- the, the L.A. Bosa. One of the Bosa's. Yes. He didn't, oh, that's related oh. to Jake Kumaro. Yeah, Nick Bosa did not practice. He played yesterday. Yep. Yeah, Joey Bosa did not either, and that was a downgrade So mm-hmm. from the day before. So we'll, that's obviously going to loom large, but um, right. I'm going to go with Chargers. In a, in a game that somehow is excruciating and frustrating for both teams. Yep. All right, Saints at the Packers. Who do you got? I'm going to take the Saints. How dare you, sir? You come into here and you pick that? Yes. Okay. Um, so you got the Saints going 3-0. Yes. I've gone back and forth on this one. Uh, you can't be 16-1 and with another loss, so I'll go Green Bay in this one. By three. Did you pick Green Bay to go sixteen and one with a lost Atlanta? Yes. And then rattling off. Uh... Just ask me last. Just ask me on Monday. That's what I did. So yeah, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by High V and Toys and Ford. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. If you could be a friend, tell a friend about the podcast. Get them to be a regular listener just like you and uh, tell them to go to their favorite podcasting platform like Apple and Spotify and give it a five-star rating and a positive review. And don't forget, we are now on YouTube as well. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and we will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.